hype about Bitcoin is sometimes overwhelming and presumably difficult to understand, so let's try to unravel that mysterious internet money for the interest listener. Bitcoin's most important difference in comparison to other currencies that operate within the conventional banking system is the way in which payments are transferred. Payments by a credit card or smartphone are made via banks, which in turn settle with each other via a system operated by central banks. With Bitcoin, on the other hand, payments are processed via a distributed ledger, which is a decentralized database in which all transactions are recorded permanently. If a transfer is pending, someone has to check whether a paying party has a sufficient Bitcoin balance and subsequently needs to arrange the transfer of funds to the payee. But who is this someone? Bitcoin for the first time in financial history relies solely on volunteers running the infrastructure to maintain the network and pays them in newly created Bitcoin. So how can the hype about Bitcoin be explained? Bitcoin is new. In order to comprehend its disruptive effects on today's financial industry and banking system, it is important to examine the aspects of Bitcoin's value proposition. During the financial crisis of 2009, an anonymous person or group of persons running by the pseudonym of Satoshi Nakamoto published a Bitcoin white paper as no less than a counterproject to the traditional financial system. Bitcoin was born and designed during a financial crisis and it is the only asset that was built with a particular emphasis on its resilience to wither such situations. History has shown that its resilience against continuous attacks is staggering, considering its constant exposure to assaults by individuals or even governments within the last 10 years of its existence. It is remarkable how good it performed in the wake of the 2020 corona crisis, and in fact it can be viewed as the world's largest honeypot for hackers. So, in this hostile environment, the Bitcoin protocol has proven its resilience repeatedly, as the Bitcoin blockchain itself has never been successfully hacked throughout its entire existence. It is not true for Bitcoin exchanges, however. Those are being hacked on a regular basis. Thus, it is of utmost importance for the interested investor to invest in an adequate storage method. Or this brings us to our next topic, Bitcoin storage. There are several different ways you can store your Bitcoins. I recommend, as I already said in an earlier episode, the ledger, the trezor and the cold card. The cold card is suitable for particularly tech-savvy people. The ledger I would at the moment not recommend so much because it seems that their customer database has been compromised in the last three days and obviously you don't want your address exposed to some hackers on the darknet. Another thing, if you order those hardware wallets, always, always, always order them from the original manufacturer and not, of course, not via Amazon or via, via eBay or some Alibaba page or whatnot. You order those hardware wallets only directly from the manufacturer. Ledger, Trezor, Cold Card. And of course, if you do not want to spend on hardware wallets, there is also an alternative of just downloading Samurai Wallet for Android and I guess Bread Wallet for iOS would be working if you want to fall the risk of storing your Bitcoins on your smartphone, which I would discourage you from. But again, this is a very cheap way of storing your Bitcoins and never ever leave the Bitcoins on that any exchange because they are being hacked on a regular basis. One side effect of those constant attacks I have been talking about was that the people, the early investors, acquired a somewhat stoic calm regarding the ups and downs of the Bitcoin price. Those early adopters 
believed in Bitcoin's, um, Bitcoin's superiority over any other asset. But is this mindset justified or are all those people merely naive idealists? The two concepts borrowing Bitcoin's popularity are this steadfast belief in the Bitcoin's protocol, which is based on two simple concepts. The steadfast belief of those hodlers in the Bitcoin protocol is based on two simple concepts. Those might seem trivial at first glance, but when those two points are understood, it is possible to understand how a currency, which is not backed by any government, could achieve such a meteoric rise. The two concepts are, there is only 21 million Bitcoin, and you cannot create a better Bitcoin. So let us elaborate a little bit on both statements, since they are anything but trivial. The concept one, there are only 21 million Bitcoin. There will only be ever 21 million Bitcoins in existence. This is engraved in Bitcoin's source code and cannot be changed by anyone. This hard cap or maximum supply is one of the main reasons for Bitcoin's price valuation. Bitcoin is thus the most deflationary currency humanity has ever seen. In a central economy, the currency is issued by a central bank at the rate that is supposed to match the growth or the number of goods. The monetary base is controlled by a central bank, which can increase the supply by issuing more currency. The resulting distribution of capital is interesting to say the least. The United States Federal Reserve printed more money in the last month, we have August 2020 at the moment, than they have been printing in the last two centuries. This is a mind-boggling number and this will result in inflation. So Bitcoin today represents the proverbial drop in the bucket of the global financial system, albeit with all its advantages, which is, a, for instance, a very high risk and reward ratio. And of course, also the involved risks, which would be, for instance, a high vol volatility and the possibility to manipulate the price by large Bitcoin holders. But since Bitcoin represents a fully decentralized monetary system, no central authority regulates its monetary base. Instead, the currency is created by the miners at a fixed and predefined rate, and the transactions are verified by the nodes of this peer-to-peer -peer network. Everyone can participate without the need to register at a higher level, making the network work truly decentralized and democratic. The Bitcoin protocol defines how the currency will be created and at which rate. This boundary condition was established at Bitcoin's creation in 2009 and cannot be changed. Any Bitcoin transaction that is generated by a malicious user and does not follow the rules postulated by Satoshi Nakamoto in 2009 will be rejected by the Bitcoin network. As a result, Bitcoin represents the most deflationary currency known to humankind and enables verifiable and thus trustless transactions between two entities without any intermediary. This property makes Bitcoin a serious contender to become the world's reserve currency. At the moment, Facebook's market cap is higher than Bitcoin's market cap. That shows you how early we are with Bitcoin. But how about just creating a new superior cryptocurrency? Well, that is not possible either. The reason is simple. No government will allow anyone to take away their monetary sovereignty ever. In today's market, if a cryptocurrency files to be listed at a currency exchange, the exchange requires the founder of the currency to reveal his identity to comply with anti-money laundering or AML laws, among other requirements. By doing so, the single point of attack of the digital currency would be revealed to everyone, basically enabling state actors to enforce changes to the project or to the network protocol. Take Facebook's Libra currency project for example. Of course, le legislators will want to protect customers and thus will treat the Libra organization as a bank, which is backed 
by its shareholders, such as Facebook. Facebook would in turn be regulated as a bank, something Facebook will definitely not want. So the Libra project will hardly be a real become a reality, a view shared by many powerful leaders such as the Bank of uh, France, Governor François Villeroy de Gaulle. Bitcoin is a different beast altogether. No government in the world is able to change the rules of the Bitcoin protocol or ban its use. Thus, Bitcoin is the ultimate store of value. It is always possible to get your country out of Bitcoin, but it is impossible to get Bitcoin out of your country. So, what is a possible alternative to Bitcoin, let's dig into digital central bank money. Alternative to privately issued digital currencies are those issued, issued by central banks, which are basically tokenized fiat currencies. Pro projects like these are under investigation by many central banks and should soon be available. For instance, in China, where a digital currency will be operated by the Chinese central bank. To what extent is this concept supposed to differ from ex existing fiat currencies, especially in a country where the most payments are already being made via smartphones, remains unclear to me. If one wants to protect wealth from the evaluation by inflation, it makes no sense to hold fiat, tokenized or not, as was made clear by the PRC central bank a few weeks ago. In that instant, the bank injected capital. If one wants to protect wealth from devaluation by inflation, it makes no sense to hold a fiat currency, tokenized or not, as was made clear by the PRC central bank a few weeks ago. In that instance, the bank injected capital, equaling Bitcoin's market capitalization in one day into the economy to maintain the market's liquidity in the face of the coronavirus outbreak. In one day, the complete market capitalization that Bitcoin had was pumped into the Chinese economy. This is a massive amount of money inflation. Now let's look into current global currency and policy chain challenges. As the People's Republic of China Central Bank example shows, a tokenized fiat currency can and will be manipulated and respectively inflated by the um, respective governments to react to such situations. Bitcoin is different altogether. No single person is ever able to change the protocol and subsequently inflate supply. This makes, the number, makes it the number one choice if you want to stop inflation from eroding your wealth. Since inflation is an issue not only in China, but also in the United States and the EU, and particularly in many smaller economies, it is just a matter of time until a growing number of people will want to secure their wealth. This will trigger a vicious circle of money, monetary devaluation, increasing capital outflow from fiat currencies, higher Bitcoin valuation and so on, which can result in bank runs and eventually the collapse of the conventional banking system. This will not start in the big economies, but rather in small ones like Venezuela, Argentina and the Lebanon, which we already see. Where the, currency is, where the local currency is already weak and the incentive to adapt Bitcoin is higher than in the United Union, China or the US. As soon as this chain reaction is set in motion, however, it will increasingly affect large economies and intensify itself, which will eventually result in a global bank run. This effect can only be prevented by governments and central banks if they adjust their fiscal policy accordingly. For instance, by making moves like reintroducing the gold standard. I consider this global reorientation of central bank policy highly unlikely, since it would render debt repayment almost impossible at the current state of national debt in even the largest economies. Now that you understand the unique selling points of Bitcoin, let us focus on the current problems many millennials face today, which makes them a group especially well positioned to invest in and adopt Bitcoin. Let's talk about the Cantillon effect and its impact on millennials. So money printing is unethical 
since the ones who profit from it most are the ones that can access the money right at the beginning, such as banks or big companies. They get loans and make investments. Prices then start to rise, even though the rest of the population has not received any of the new money yet. This part of the population usually is the one with not too much money. Nonetheless, they have to pay the higher prices, even though they have not profited from the increase in money at all. Actually, they will never be able to profit from money printing the same way as the ones who received the money first. This results in a redistribution from the poor to the rich, which in turn leads to a fragmentation of society, to the disappearance of the middle class and ultimately to protests and riots. Since the of bitcoins is not controlled by any government, bitcoin is an opportunity to peacefully protest against this expensive monetary policy with all its negative consequences. That time difference effectively acts as a taxing mechanism. In other words, the first sector to receive the newly created money enjoys the higher profits as their pay increases but general costs are still low. On the other hand, the last sector in which pr prices rise, where there is no more e economic friction, face higher costs while still producing at lower prices. In our modern economy, the Cantillon effect is at play with a stratified socio-economic impact favoring investors over wage earners. This effect is an ever-growing fuel for increasing global wealth inequality, which particularly affects millennials. The first generation that is likely to be less wealthy than its preceding generation. The results are unrest and protests in several Latin American countries such as Chile, Argentina, as well as in Spain, Italy and an ever-growing list of countries including the United States. Negative interest rates. There is another incentive to get exposure to Bitcoin, short and medium term. The European Central Bank will not end the time of asset purchasing programs or negative interest rates as Christine Lagarde made clear during her introductory statement as the head of the European Central Bank. This results in an interesting effect. If investors are facing negative interest rates, the price of scarce goods such as real estate, gold, Bitcoin, art, etc. is in theory infinite as you can earn interest for taking a credit. This is unheard of in the history of mankind. Within the last 3000 years, there has never been such a time where you would have been paid to take out a loan. The result of that policy is absurd. A Danish bank, for example, launched the world's first mortgage with negative interest rates. Another development was the introduction of Aus Austria's infamous 100-year bond. Buyers of such bonds were speculating on a century of rock-bottom interest rates, which is interesting considering that the present Republic of Austria was founded in 1918 and has only existed for over for 102 years. Whether the described developments are rational or sustainable is up to the listeners to decide. Banks also face another challenge. It is becoming increasingly difficult to earn capital in low income low interest rate environments, as there is the threat of high penalties for depositing capital with the central banks. These costs are incre increasingly passed on to the customers, who in turn are confronted with the problem that they are expected to pay increasingly higher fees for depositing savings to the bank. It is unlikely that this can be con conveyed to a customer, and I assume that this effect alone will lead to an increase in interest in Bitcoin. Another absurdity of today's financial system that is likely hard to comprehend for an average person is the existence of negative yielding bonds. Unimportant niche? Well, we are talking about a total global supply of bonds with negative yields of 16 trillion US dollars. Bitcoin's market cap at the moment is 170.2 billion US dollars or less than 2% of the global supply of bonds just for reference. Debt. All the world's largest economies are facing an increasing amount of debt. This is a looming cost catastrophe scenario with central bank in which central banks are trying to counteract by st staking ever larger amounts of gold. 
global debt levels are up 50% since the global financial crisis in 2009. And I haven't been looking at them, at those um, values after during the Corona crisis, but I assume they went through the roof. Overall, China's total debt has increased sevenfold since the 2009 crisis. That was before the Corona crisis. Due to the constant money infusion by the government and due to its deficit spending, many unprofitable companies are kept in business, which would otherwise become, bank become bankrupt. The problem of Chinese zombie companies has been recognized for some time, but the government must keep those companies alive and keep annual GDP growth at a certain level to prevent social unrest. This is the Achilles heel of the Chinese Communist Party and the only threat to its power. A vicious cycle of money printing and amassing debt, which healthy individuals might want to escape from sooner rather than later. The downside of Bitcoin? The downside of Bitcoin, circumventing sanctions, enabling money laundering, financing terrorism. As today, of today, the US dollar, the RMB and the euro all play a far greater role in financing nefarious activities than Bitcoin does. However, there is one thing to keep in mind. If only good actors value a currency, the currency has no value at all. This quote puts it nicely. If a global decentralized currency is to compete against currencies like the euro or the US dollar, it must be mutable and immune to censorship or, or government interference. This is not a bug of the Bitcoin protocol, but a feature. No government on the planet is able to prevent a Bitcoin transaction from happening, which gives the participants in the network total and absolute sovereignty over their capital. This is critical for a currency to become a true global reserve currency. Today, the United States is able to ex exert a significant amount of economic pressure on any country using the US dollar for settlements. For instance, by enforcing sanctions on them if they do not agree with some political decisions in those countries. Recent examples including sanctions against Russia, Iran, Pakistan and the European Union because of the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. An ever-growing list of countries that do not obey to the will of the US president. This excessive sanctioning by the US slowly starts to erode other countries' trust in the dollar as a settlement currency. The affected countries need to look for an alternative currency to settle their trades. Since the countries in question may not be necessarily will not necessarily want to trade in the respective trade partners' currency, and since both currencies could be manipulated by the opposite side, it is desirable to have an asset with predetermined issuance by an algorithm that can be manipulated. In addition, the transaction can be monitored literally in real time from any de device that has access to the internet. Those properties make Bitcoin a truly neutral settlement layer between parties and even nation-states in the future, which represents a big step towards the adoption as a global reserve currency. In addition, Bitcoin's transaction fees for cross-country settlements are low, as was famously shown by a transaction worth 1 billion US dollar, which cost the transacting party a fee of 0.065 Bitcoins or $690 at the time of the transaction. Someone moved 1 billion in a single Bitcoin transaction and paid $690. The same transaction in gold would be a far more um, expensive undertaking. We are talking about 20 metric tons at the current exchange rate. As of the 27th of January 2020, the logistics of such a transaction would be challenging to say the least, and certainly impossible to achieve for 700 US dollars. The cost for safe storage of 20 tons of gold is not included in this calculation and shouldn't be neglected either. So gold would not be a very suitable way to transact between countries. 
So let's come to the conclusion. Is Bitcoin the ultimate reserve currency? Many of the issues I addressed here will probably not have immediate relevance for an institutional investor, but they will have an impact on Bitcoin's price mid and long term. Mid and long term we will not only see Bitcoin adoption by millennials, but also high net worth individuals, troubled third world countries, rich states and governments that will want to circumvent sanctions. Other use cases will be central banks backing their currency with Bitcoin to brace for a black swan scenario or pension funds that have the obligation to maintain their depositors purchasing power. It is important to note that every single reason pointed out could just be the catalyst for other effects to unravel. Capital will inevitably gravitate towards the hardest money available, depriving people holding onto weaker currencies from their wealth and leaving them vulnerable to the people controlling the harder currency. A situation humans have experienced countless times throughout history. Examples include glass beads, shell money or ray stones. The dollar, renminbi, euro and ruble are the glass beads of the 21st century. But is that true? Let's look at the Bitcoin's performance in 2019 alone in comparison to other assets. In 2019, Bitcoin's value rose by 96%, oil by 36%, the Nasdaq by 16%, the S&P 500 by 13%, all commodities combined by 9%, bonds by 3% and gold by 1%. This was pre-corona times. During the corona times, I did not look into the numbers any further because everything is so crazy at the time that the numbers are changing faster than I could ever update them. However, in 2019, it can be stated that Bitcoin outperformed any conventional asset, which is interesting considering that the Nasdaq and the S&P 500 benefited significantly from the Fed's money infusion. Actually, that growth is largely attributed to the liquidity provided by the Fed in conjunction with the Cantillon effect covered above. An interesting side note is the fact that by the year 2250, a single Bitcoin will be worth 1 million US dollar based on US dollar inflation alone, if inflation prevails at the pre-corona levels. In the not-so-distant future, central banks might even be forced to add Bitcoin to their assets to protect the dollar, euro or ruble against devaluation. It is interesting to see the Russian central bank increasing its gold holdings since 2005. And it would be naive to think that central banks would not know, know about Bitcoin's potential. However, it would be equally naive to assume they would admit a purchasing program. Many people tend to forget one thing. Fiat money is not as stable as it is perceived. Germany alone had, has had four different currencies in the last 120 years. Within 10 years, Bitcoin overtook 170 of the 180 unpacked currencies on the planet. So I hope I could make a few points. In case you want to know more, or if you have any remarks or questions, ping me in Twitter, Telegram or Mastodon. My name is BT Chap, and I hope you enjoyed this little podcast. Thank you. This is not financial advice, and frankly, I do not care what you do with your money.